Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, how are you feeling today for the Monday Mailbag Podcast? Uh, how was your Super Bowl Sunday? It went. We'll talk about the women's game here in a second. That was the uh, the penultimate viewing experience before uh, Sunday Night Football, but great game. I know everyone's upset that there was a call at the end, you know, and I'm sure 95 people who are upset are not even fans of either team. They just wanted to see the game continue to play out with the other team having a chance to go down and score. But um, it was a great game. I enjoyed watching it. It kind of uh, that play at the end and the, what everybody's talking about, the holding or pass interference, yeah. whatever, sort of reminds me of the Joseph Osai push Mahomes out of bounds at the end. It gives the Chiefs a free you know, set of downs and they can just get a chip shot field goal instead of a long one, basically giving them the game. Like, okay, like people are like, oh, you don't call it that spot. Like, he held him. Like, yeah, it's going to get called. When you bring that up, yeah, the Chiefs have had some some uh, favorable it's calls scripted. the past <laughs> the past two uh the past two uh, playoff games but uh still i mean well, that was a very very uh fun entertaining game just from a neutral perspective like you said i, mean, I thought hurts i thought jalen hurts was amazing i mean patrick mahomes is obviously patrick mahomes uh but yeah for the eagles not to record a sack i thought that was the most telling stat is just like because that was all things when the Chiefs lost to the Buccaneers, it was like they couldn't block anybody, and now they're holding up against a great defensive line in the Eagles. So, yeah, great game. Um, enjoyed it. Now, like you mentioned, the LSU women took on South Carolina at 1 o'clock on Sunday, and it was a massive game as far as the public goes because – this was a moment, you know, women's basketball is not often shared on the biggest stage like that. Obviously, the NCAA tournament's on ESPN. You know, they have plenty of ESPN2 and ESPN games, but none of them have the hype that a game like this has. And I thought this was big for women's basketball, big for, you know, LSU women's basketball to be on a stage like this because South Carolina's been, you know, won championships and whatnot. But for LSU to be back on this stage, I thought was huge. So, um, you know, a lot of build up to this game, a lot of excitement. Um, and then like five minutes before tip, I saw, you know, people started tweeting out that South Carolina was a 12 point favorite. I was like, oh yeah, they're not supposed to win this game. And, um, you know, as much as you try to talk yourself into, there are avenues of them winning this game. I wrote like 2000 words between my two previews about, you know, ways they could win, but still at the end of the day, South Carolina was the far better team and is the best team in the country for a reason. South Carolina wins 88 64. Um, where do you want to start with, um, you know, when your takeaways from, from this game? Well, let's start here. I had a number of texts from buddies and calls over the past 24 hours who were like, Oh, did you watch the game? Yeah. Watched it. What'd you think? And all of them pretty much said, well, Maddie B had been saying in his articles for a week, Kim Mulkey had been saying for a week now that this there was a big gap in between what South Carolina has and where LSU wants to be, right? There, you mentioned the spread on the game being 12 points. Like you're not expected to go in and beat a team that is the reigning national champions with their this was one thing brought up on the broadcast a lot. And 
I thought it's an easy way for LSU fans <clears throat> to tie together the reality of where you are now and where you're going because you have a Hall of Fame head coach. Kim Mulkey's up there with the best that's ever done it in the women's yeah. side. So you know that coaching-wise, building a roster-wise, all of that, she knows what it takes to win national championships. She's done it before. The South Carolina graphic that kept getting put up was Don Staley's first number one class, and it was 2019 with Aaliyah Boston um, and Bree Beal and a number of other girls who were – you yeah. know, the number one and five and 10 players in the country. Those girls are all seniors now. And now you see with a combination of the transfer portal, the Cordoza girl, uh, what was her name? Cardoza yeah, from Cardoza. Syracuse was awesome. Unbelievable as a junior big. And you can see, you can put together those pieces of a number one class as they get older in their careers with transfer portal pieces. And you're almost impossible to beat. LSU has the number one class coming in right now. They had the number one transfer class. You know, they've got, as Don Staley said after the game, I know where Kim Mulkey's taking this program because mm -hmm. when you're bringing in the number one recruiting class with the number one and six and 13 overall players or whatever it is, and then you've got transfers coming in and you had transfers come in this past year, you said it all week. I thought it was perfect next year you're in a way better position than you are this year and then the years after that you're only getting stronger so this was a good litmus test for me in the same vein that brian kelly got to take a team that had no business really being on the field with georgia to an sec championship and they fought and they played well and they scored and they you know threw for 500 yards and they got beat comfortably on georgia's side so you know the bar, you know where you have to do to catch people who are winning back-to-back -back national championships. Or, and if that's your goal, test yourself against it. You're not there yet. But it's clear that Kim Mulkey, to me, has the path laid out of this is what we have to do to get there, and that means bringing in better players. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I, I compared it the same way you did to that LSU-Georgia game in the SEC championship. That's just what it felt like. Um, where it was just overwhelming and you have, you know, if you're Georgia, you have years of the number one, number two classes stacked up on each other. South Carolina has years of this. Um, LSU has just, it's the same thing with football side. They're just, the depth isn't quite there. And then you saw, you know, Reese pick up some fouls, Ladeja pick up fouls and Smith pick up fouls. And they had to put our Monty Bartlett in the game who hadn't played, hasn't played much all year. So it's just all kind of, flowing together flage johnson again star freshman you know put in this situation against these guards of south carolina it's not going to be uh, comfortable it's not going to be easy um you look at what obviously is coming in and i am a firm believer even though alexis morris is awesome and alexis morris will be tough to replace that mulkey will have a lot of room in the transfer portal to go get a guard and she will get a star guard i look at I know people don't keep up with women's, women's basketball, but I, you know, do for the most part for, you know, I do a podcast with Dave Campbells and stuff. So like Texas, they able to bring in the leading guard um, at two like of the top scores in the country onto their team. Like they, it, you can do things in the transfer portal now, which we see at every level of the football side or the basketball side of baseball, obviously. I mean, after heard and, and guys like that. So uh, Paul Skeens, um, 
but yeah, so they're going to go transfer portal and they already have the number one class coming in and they will have space. We forget not to get too deep into this, but that we forget that they Hannah Gusters, you know, left the team early in the year. We forget Ryan Payne left the team early in the year, like players like that. So the depth just is not quite there, but yeah, I thought Don Staley said it well after the game. We know what they're building. We know what they're going to do. So um, I never thought this team was on their level. And so I thought it would be hard for this team to like win a national championship. Um, and I don't think Mulkey went into this year thinking they were going to win a national championship, but if they can reach an elite eight final four, I mean, final four would be an incredible, incredible year. If they can reach an elite eight, I think this team will have definitely reached its ceiling. Um, shout out to my girl samaya smith the oh. freshman um been a fan favorite of mine uh or i should say i'm a fan favorite of hers yeah. uh since she came in from desoto desoto spits out players in every sport and she had won a state title and it wasn't like she was i think she was number 58 like let's say like yeah the number 50. 60 player in the country on yeah. uh espn hoop girls which is the only place that really ranks um girls basketball in that top 100 mm -hmm. so like that's what you can get out of a number 58 player and mulkey's got more of those types coming in let alone the number one and five and ten players um but shout out samaya she was great i do want to ask um here just because we're talking about the future building towards where they want to be michaela williams if people don't know is the number one high school recruit in the country uh kim mulkey and the staff are just there this week to watch her play on senior night uh, she had a big game. She's a Louisiana native um, playing up in Bossier City. Mm -hmm. What does you did a little breakdown on how they've been playing, what they can do. How does she fit in? Like whose role is currently playing the Michaela Williams role? I want to see her and Flage kind of as they want to uh, as like wings. So I would replace Alexis Morris, like assuming Michaela Williams can step in and play, I, which I believe she will be able to. And we'll see again what they bring out of the transfer portal. But you kind of want a – I would say you have a transfer portal guard at the one, and then you kind of replace Jasmine Carson with Michaela Williams. And then ideally you have transfer portal to Michaela Williams, to Flage Johnson, to Angel Reese, and then probably a transfer, transfer portal five. Um, even though, like we said, they have the number uh, – Aliyah Del Rosario I think is ranked the number five, six, seven player, somewhere in that range – of players in the country, the number one post player in the country. So um, they, they'll have her coming in. Obviously, Samaya Smith is very, very good, as we talked about. But I, I Michaela Williams can shoot the ball. I mean, she's just a pure scorer. I mean, she's a more polished scorer than Flage is at this point. And Flage, I think, was number 25 in her class, 23 in her class. So, you know, it makes sense why the number one, number two player in Michaela Williams can come in and contribute immediately. So... That's the expectations. Obviously, you're you're getting young if you have her and Flage starting together, but that's why you, you know, hit the transfer portal and um, you know, clean up the rest of the the holes on on this team. But I, I this is still a very, very fun team. They have Ole Miss coming up on uh Thursday. So that's at home, thankfully. So we'll see if they can bounce back and, and win that game. Ole, Ole Miss is actually pretty good this year. I think they're eight four in conference right now. Uh, you know who I also liked, and now we're just kind of before we get because we don't have a ton of uh, pod questions yeah. today, but we'll we'll get to him here in a second. Uh, I like Kateri Poole. I mean, and it seemed to me yesterday that she carried a lot of minutes, especially in the start, and it almost felt like she 
Mulkey knew she wasn't going to be rattled. Like she's coming in from an Ohio State team where she was on that team playing that beat LSU last year in the PMAC. Like they had played in big time games. She had already played for a couple of years. So I feel like she's one you can trust in like big moments. She doesn't seem rattled. It's not going to be perfect, obviously, but she it doesn't seem to get to her. She played really well. She's been like a in a weird way, even though she's a point guard, clearly she's been like a really good backup to like Flage in a lot of situations because she is uh, she's strong enough and to hold up against t- uh, players who are bigger. So, yeah, F- Kateri Poole has been I, I'm not, not going to say she's been gr- like perfect this year by any means. She's been in- inconsistent on her board. We've talked about it a bit um, with some of her turnovers that she's made, but you're right. She wasn't rattled, and that was one of the biggest things. If this game was in Baton Rouge, you know, maybe they only lose by 10 instead of 24. Like, maybe they only lose by 14. But in this environment, against these guards of South Carolina, where you're just like, you can't expect Flaget to go out there and perform at an incredibly high level. It's just asking a lot, which is why you need these games, which is why you need these games going into the tournament where um, you know, you should be able to, you'll get through round one easily. you probably get through round two somewhat comfortably you'll place it play a team like on the level of like a like a Tennessee or maybe a little worse but after that sweet 16 and beyond you're playing teams that are you know going to be three seeds you know and then and then a one seed probably if you make the elite eight so that this is why you needed games like this and this is why we've been so I don't want to say critical of the non-conference schedule but we've taken it for what it is you haven't played anybody so what what does it look like when you're in these environments in these settings? So, um, well, yeah. and I'll wrap up by saying too that and Mulkey has said this and you've said this. They weren't playing anyone. I think they played one top twenty five team, but they played twenty three teams and they beat every one of them. And you can't just roll out of bed and win every night. And it, so, they did it impressively too. Their net was their net is third in the country. So they handled business. And there's also here's the reality too as we move on. You look at that game, you say there's no way they can beat. I mean, South Carolina is too big. They're too experienced. They're too deep. They have an angel answer for Angel Reese. That's not the case that for like 15 teams. That's like one team and maybe two. And UConn's a team that's not healthy at all. So yeah, UConn's not healthy. There might only be one or two teams out there that can do what South Carolina did to LSU, especially with Bigs and shutting down Angel and all of that. So. Still high hopes for this team. And, hey, look, I'm sure that Kim is absolutely making this a a teaching moment of this is where you're at and that's where you're trying to be. And right now it's a 24-point difference. And what are you going to do to get there? The only only other team I can think of, because I've seen most of the teams, I mean, you know, you have teams like Iowa that shoot a lot of threes with with, uh, Caitlin Clark and whatnot. A lot of the Big Ten teams shoot, shoot, shoot a lot of threes and are really talented. But, like, Stanford's the only other one. I, I can think of that has the height to really bother LSU in that way. But even then they're not, they don't have the guards that South Carolina has. So it's just, I, I feel good about this LSU team being competitive with everybody else in the top 20 in the country. South Carolina is just kind of on that different level, which, which is fine, which is fine. So Raining it's like, if, camps. yeah, it's like if the, the football team LSU played, um, played like USC or something like they might lose, but they, I think they would have put up a, you know, they would have looked better than they did against Georgia overall. So, all right. All right. You want to rock some mailbag? Let's do mailbag. Let's okay. do mailbag. Um, Hester's going to lead us off here. Hester 79. Big time uh, favorite of the board. 
Yes. What freshman is going to go is going under the radar as far as someone who can make an early impact? And then he offers up Caleb Jackson at running back. Uh, Jackson's obviously coming off an injury, so he certainly fits under the under the radar um, label. But he's a four star top 250 player who's got really great production on the field and really great track times and all of that when he's been healthy. So, you know, this class, well, 25 signees, someone who's maybe going under the radar right now. I'm mulling this over in my head. The first one, the first one that comes to mind is a personal favorite of mine. Um, and that's Jackson McGowan. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see if they end up adding a tight end out of the portal. We did, you know, we talked about that on the portal podcast, uh, rest in peace, the portal podcast, but, um, we talked about it, you know, we'll see if they add somebody, if they do not, I think Jackson McGohan has an avenue to be able to play. We'll have to see how polished he is. I think that's his biggest question, but, um, kind of a similar situation with Pimpton, even though they're different players, different heights, you know, different skill sets but McGowan is incredibly fast the yards after the catch would be there with him um and I think you can line him up pretty comfortably in the slot he is very similar to Mason Taylor I don't know if he he, again he's not as polished but he's faster than Mason is Uh, we'll have to see how he rounds out his blocking ability but I'll go Jackson McGowan as my first pick for that but that's a that's a good question I mean, I want to choose, like, my favorite would be Ashton Stamps, and he's certainly one of the lower-rated guys in the class. So I feel like that's what we're looking for here is guys yeah. who are also lower-ranked. That would put them under the radar. Um, but I just don't know how much he's playing right away. They took a lot of transfers. They do have, a, you know, a number of guys, three guys at the least at safety who have played significant football, obviously. Um, yeah, I feel like you could take one of those safeties, like a Kylan Jackson. Yeah, but I mean, he's from Baton Rouge, so people talk about him. I like the Caleb Jackson. Um, I like Caleb on. Jackson too, actually. Like, if we're going out on a limb, I like that. I'll go also see Kyle Parker's tough to say because everyone loves him. He, like, they signed four receivers, and everyone loves Kyle Parker. We've been listening to Billy. Too much, yeah. We love him now. Give me Jalen Brown, and I think he's like LSU's third highest ranked recruit, so that may be cheating. But I think he's going to play. I don't know. I'm bad at this one. Like, can I choose Whit Weeks? He's not really under the radar. Everyone's talking about him, and I think he's going to play. Um, I'll do Jalen Brown. Because I could also see an outside chance he does some things in kick or punt returns. Yeah. They will play freshman receivers if they're ready. He's got a speed element that everyone else, minus Chris Hilton, probably doesn't have. So that'll be my pick. It's not very under the radar, but I just think they have a lot of returning receivers, so people aren't really thinking about it. Jalen Brown's faster than Kai Prion, right? For sure. Okay, yeah. Just making making sure on that but they're both fast but he's got faster track times yeah yeah he's faster track times i like the caleb jackson pick I do too. um for sure because that would i don't think it would surprise me but with four basically upperclassmen ahead of him at this point it does feel kind of like you wait your turn for a second so we'll see how that goes but that's a good question though because that one of these guys is going to surprise us and i don't know who it is going to be exactly Find out soon enough. Spring ball starts uh, within the month uh, in March, obviously. Um, 
Bourbon and Cheerios. Hey guys, love the show. First time, long time. Appreciate you taking uh, the questions here. His first of many. Which position group is the most competitive amongst themselves? My immediate thought, and what you hope it is, is quarterback, right? Yeah, that, that was my first That's thought. the one real battle you've got that everyone is watching, and you would hope that that's the most competitive. So convince me of a different position I need to choose other than quarterback. There's so much turnover here. It makes it difficult. Um, I mean, receivers are inherently ultra competitive. So, like, I wouldn't be shocked if neighbors, Thomas, you know. But then after those two, it's like, is Lacey really? I I don't know. Because last year, honestly, if you would have asked me this, like, midseason or even after the season, if we look back at it, it's like um, the cornerback room was really interesting last year uh, i mean makai garner was often said or everybody said that makai garner was one of the, like the biggest like it get in your face type guys trash talk guys so that was interesting um i will say i don't know how this works exactly but the offensive line is an interesting position because they do return so many players so they are familiar with each other they can hold each other accountable i think they can be competitive uh with one another and i think there is going to be a decent competitive aspect as far as at the center position goes, but everybody else is already kind of locked in at this moment. So um, I think quarterback's the right answer. I'll go receiver as my number two. I also think that we should hope and we'll see in spring and I'll try to get a feel from this. I'll ask around, but maybe beyond quarterback, the one room you're really hoping is competitive is running back because they have six guys. Two of them are new. We just mentioned Caleb Jackson. Trey Holly's the other true freshman coming in. He owns the state record for rushing. But the four guys they're bringing back, John Emery, Josh Williams, Noah Kane, Armani Goodwin. I know – I don't know if Noah Kane ever started a game. The other three of multiple games uh, across the past year, two years. That room just seems wide open to me. Like – I don't know if there will be a bell cow, but in terms of how often do you want to be out there is probably going to come down to who's shining in practice and who's trustworthy out of the film room. Yeah. So, and the hard part about that question isn't just like, who's the most competitive. It's like, who's the most competitive amongst each other. So it's like when they're going through drills, you know, who's, who's pushing one another. And I think I, I mean, last year I was really impressed with the quarterbacks, the, all three of them, especially Jaden and Garrett. Uh, and then when Miles was on campus, I thought he was pushing them as well. So quarterback position is one, and uh, we'll see how the rest develop. I mean, it's so much turnover in the on the defense, it's hard to pick a defensive position because we don't know at this moment. But we'll see during spring. We'll see. He asked, who surprised you most in terms of how much film they watch? I'm not sure I have an answer to that. Let me think. Let me think through the logs of interviews that we've done just how many um i mean it i don't know if it surprised me but because because i knew there's a reason he was on the field but charles turner being as smart and as heady as he is was something that like oh it all makes sense like to me that that was like a clarifying moment when everybody started talking about how smart and how prepared charles turner was on a day in day out basis i was like okay that makes sense as to why he's able to lock down the center position. So I kind of feel like Makai Wingo talked a lot about film, but I also feel yeah, like he's the type he of guy that was like, 
all freshman SEC. Then he comes here and he's your best player and he wins the weight room award and he wins, gets on the leadership council and he wins like man of the year. So I just feel like he's probably really into everything. You know what I mean? He's just great. Yeah. There's no stone left unturned. Him and Mason Smith are going to be awesome together uh, next year on the defensive line. It's going to be fun to watch. They also said major burns, I believe was the key in communicating in the back end. So you have to believe he's ultra prepared um, and he's a key cog in that defensive uh, backfield. So I'll say Major Burns. So I think that's a good group. Major Burns, uh, Charles Turner, and then, you know, if you want to throw Makai Wingo in there, I think that's. Do you know how Major got his name? No. I uh, heard this on an, uh, actually an Emily Dixon uh, interview on LSU. Might have been the lounge with Major. And she asked him about it. And he said that his mom wanted a name that because she said he, she envisioned him being a big time athlete. She could just feel it. Yeah. And she wanted a name when it came over the loudspeakers. Everyone knew it. And she and her husband were at a Texas OU game. And Major Applewhite gets announced as the starter of the loudspeaker. And she said, then evidently, that's it. Major, like that's going to be his name. So he's named after actually another Baton Rouge native in Major Applewhite. Huh. That is pretty cool. The more you yeah. know. That is pretty um, cool. Okay, let's see what else. Bourbon and Cheerio is still going here. When was the last time you ran at top speed? I actually know the answer to this for me because they did. God, this is less than 10 years ago, I think. Oh, my God. But Les Miles hosted a media pro day, mm-hmm. which was right before like LSU pro day and the combine and all that. And it went through a variety of like 40s and verticals and bench and uh, everything you would do at the combine. Um, and so I ran a 40 and that, that would be the last time. That and that was the last time they held the event. It was hamstrings being pulled, collarbones being broken. It was bad. <laughs> I remember when somebody showed me the video. I don't know who it was. You'll know. Then the, Everyone will know of them pulling the, uh, the guy pulling his hamstring. Yes. And I was just dying laughing. So this is what so that was a, they've never done that again. But that would be the last time I've tried to run at a top end speed. Uh, Maddie B's at Maddie B is a hooper for those that don't know. Yeah. So yeah. he's probably running the local courts a good bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, basketball, tennis. Are you just kind of a th- you know three point line to three point line jogger here? It it depends. It depends on who I'm playing with. If I'm playing with players that are better than me and that are you know very good players, um, then usually I'm a three point specialist, or I'll bring the ball up. They usually trust me at the point guard position, so I'm gonna bring the ball up, get the offense going, and then just spot up, um, and then try to play defense. And then, but if I'm playing with you know players that I'm better than or are as good as me, then then yeah, I'll I'll try to create. I'll try to be a little Alexis Morris out there. I'm gonna have to come around with you then sometime. Yeah, let's go. Let's let's do it. See let's if I can't it. get in a game. Let's do uh, it. I know that Bourbon Cheers has more for us. Um, you had this is last one. He said he'll hang up and listen. You have to do one of these solo: rather climb Everest or scuba dive in the world's deepest underwater cave. Have you ever been scuba diving? No. And so I, I, I have that. been, and here's my issue. I have very bad ears. I had a lot of sets of tubes as a kid. Um, so I have bad ears and I cannot clear them. And in scuba diving, you've got to clear it at like, I don't know, 25, 30 feet. And then again, and 
I had a lot of difficulties with that. Eventually I could, but scuba diving for me is tough in that regard. And I don't know with elevation on Everest if you're having to clear your ears too. So I yeah, well, you, either way. You might be in trouble either way. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't scuba dive. I would just do my best climbing Mount Everest. And then whenever it gets to the point, like you said, the elevation and then the fatigue, the everything, whenever I drop, I drop. I did my best. I may still have to go scuba dive and then just figure out how to clear my ears. Everest seems like a tall task. No pun intended. Yeah, there you go. Literally. I don't know. I'm going underwater cave. Catch you guys on the flip side. Uh, Tiger Nation, 929. Who's the first former player that comes to mind when you think of someone that bleeds purple and gold? Gosh, I think Tyron Matthew. I think he talks a lot about LSU publicly and he gave a bunch of million dollars and got a room at football ops for whatever players lounge. And this is a dude that got kicked off the team and probably gives back or is as vocal about it as anyone, him and Patrick Peterson. So that's one guy I think of, because I think of, okay, I'll let you answer and then I'll give another. I thought you, you'll know better than me. Obviously, I'm not a I'm not a long time guy, but I, first guy I thought of was Patrick Peterson for some reason. Uh, which I mean, not for no, not for some reason. I mean, there's plenty of reasons for to think of Patrick Peterson, but he's just the one I, I think of. Maybe it's because he's playing for the Vikings right now, so it's just purple and purple. But that was the first one I, I thought of. I think a Shaq. That's a good one too. That's a good one too. I did, yeah, I, I wasn't thinking basketball wise, but yeah, um, Shaq's a good pick. I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think that's a pretty good trio. Shaq and Tyron are two that jump out. I hope I'm not missing anyone, but if I am, I'd have to think about it more. I have to think about that more. Uh, Hunter Fournette, he's excited about baseball, but he's going to keep it football. Uh, outside of JD5, Jaden Daniels, because he can obviously run. Who do you think gets the most carries next year? So I do agree that JD5 will probably lead the team in carries again. I don't uh is it gonna be Josh Williams? Like, is that just the safest pick at this point? At this point, are we just like give it to Josh Williams? He'll start. There's gonna be like you you brought it up earlier. The the only chance, the only guy who's capable of being like the bell cow. The only guy who is capable of taking the step forward and being talented enough to be like, this guy could be a top six, seven running back in the SEC is John Emery. Like he is the one that has the talent to do it. What are the gotta odds get, of him actually doing get the it? Ball security down. Um, yeah. What are the odds of him actually doing it? I don't know. So you have, again, Josh Williams, Noah Kane, Armani Goodwin. I don't think any of them are capable of being the bell cow. So J John Emery, is the highest upside. Josh Williams is the safest pick. So I'll go Josh Williams just to be safe. I'm going to lean on a data here um, because I think it'll tell us at least something. Uh, now, granted, Armani Goodwin only played like half the year, basically, because he got injured. Um, and then John Emery missed time at the beginning of the year when he was still suspended. Josh Williams got injured and missed time. So not everyone played the same games, so I'll just go attempts by game because at least Armani Goodwin played in half the season. 
it would have gone Jaden Daniels, 13 carries a game, so he's going to lead the way. Josh Williams, nine carries a game. Noah Kane, five. John Emery, seven. Armani Goodwin, six and a half. So your order goes Josh Williams, nine. John Emery, seven. Goodwin, six and a half. Kane, five. Probably will be looking similar to that again, I would guess. Unless yeah, healthy. I, yeah, that makes it, it. It sounds like you said. I think those numbers are are pretty comfortable. I think it'll be dispersed. I think it'll be a lot of Jane Daniels. So we'll see how it goes there. Uh, we got anything else here? There's one more. Captain Planet asked about. Have we heard any about upgrades to the football stadium that are imminent, like LED lights, etc.? So yes, I have heard rumblings from people I trust. Um, that they are going through all of that in-game stuff, not for like a massive renovation, like building out the light boards and all that. Like you can't just like place an order and they go up and like put it in. So I think that they're putting all that together. And then by 2024 season, which is when Oklahoma and Texas joined the SEC, obviously. So there'll be even more attention on that season is when they'd be able to pull off like lights in the stadiums, updates to everything, hopefully some Wi-Fi, you know, like all these different levels of things you want to have in your fan experience. So I don't think, I'm sure there'll be upgrades for this season, but as far as lights and new boards or all of that kind of stuff, I would expect 2024 to be the target date from what I've heard. Honestly, as long as they just fix, fix the problem to where the lights, the scoreboard lights went out well, at start. Least once a game, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy for that for this year. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I think it's definitely everybody's moving to the LED lights because, I mean, that's just where it is, and I don't have a problem with that. I think if you do it uh, at the start of games and then if you want to do it after a touchdown, then I'm cool with that. So I don't feel like it's overkill. I don't feel like it's taking away from the experience or anything like that. But No, and when you're in these venues, Georgia, Bama, places that have it and it's really rocking you're there's no denying that you're like oh this is cool like this is a good atmosphere yeah it makes it just it just adds something it just adds more to the experience like nobody's saying tiger stadium needs it but why not like it's it's fun it gets you gets the people going that's what you need on a saturday night um Okay, Maddie B, the mailbag is complete we didn't have a lot of questions but we got some women's basketball in and then got to spend some time on uh a number of those questions. Anything else from you? No, I'm good. Uh, baseball starts on Friday. Uh, don't have anything new on on that front. We'll see what Jay John when the Jay Johnson press conference is this week. We'll get that out. Um, I'm learning, learning the team, learning the squad, and uh, maybe we can talk baseball at some point, or maybe I can talk it with with Hunt or something. Yeah. Now remember, Hunt. Um, everyone knows Hunt from. A uh, little bit of do it all around LSU and obviously has a weekly radio show on ESPN. But uh, Hunt, who I consider to be one of the best minds in LSU baseball, will have an article every Monday kind of with his thoughts on the weekend and what's ahead and uh, everything um, surrounding this number one team, number one recruiting class, all of that coming together uh, for what should be a remarkable season because the SEC is just so strong. Uh, but every Monday on the Bengal Tiger, Hunt will have his piece. He's done this piece many times before. You found it on different platforms, but now it'll be on the Bengal Tiger. So uh, if you're signed up already, shout out to you. Thank you. 
Check it every Monday. If you're into baseball and you're not signed up for the Bengal Tiger yet, uh, go to the BengalTiger.com on the On3 network. Uh, and we will have obviously all the LSU coverage you need with football and recruiting and basketball and whatnot, but now adding that baseball element to it, because if they've got the best, we've got to bring in the best and hunt uh, is exactly who that is. So I'm excited about it. Yep. And uh, that will do. We appreciate all the support on the YouTube channel. We're over 3000 subscribers now. So thank you to everybody who has helped us out to reach that landmark. Um, Hit the like. Hit the like, share, the subscribe. subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, if you're listening on the audio side, leave us a five-star rating and review. Send it to a friend. Let us know what you think on our board. Uh, if you're if you're a subscriber, uh, let us know what you think on Twitter, at Matthew Bruni underscore and at Shay Dixon. Uh, we appreciate you all for joining us. We'll be back uh, later in the week as well. I think we're going to talk some spring football exclusively moving forward since there's no more portal talks, but uh, we'll start focusing on spring football. But yeah, thank you all for joining us and we will talk to you all later.